freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Getting, Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. I'm just absolutely shocked by this news that has come out today, Brock, about the PGA Tour and the Live Golf Tour essentially merging into a new organization. It sounds simple when you say it that way, but when you look at all of the ramifications and everything that has happened in the golf world here, this is not a golf story. It's a story about morality. It's a story about money. It's a story about sports washing. It's a story in some ways about political ideology. It's a story you, about the future of sports in a lot quick? of ways. You've said sport washing like four or five times. Yeah. I, what does that mean? So I, I had to ask the same question a year ago when it first started coming up, and I'm still not entirely sure how it's supposed to work. But the idea is an organization that has committed atrocities tries to normalize itself by involving mm. itself in more mainstream activities. Like improve the reputation. Yeah. It's it's the idea of trying to whitewash your reputation through mm. sports. Mm. And that's been one of the major claims made about the Saudi investment fund, which is, you know, the a billion dollars a day? Billion something like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just an unbelievable amount of money. Impossible to wrap your mind around that. It's an impossible figure to even like no, comprehend. And, and Justin, you said you dug into it a little bit, you know, some of the information behind the scenes, and that this is what this fund wants to do, what the government wants to do. Why why, why professional golf? Uh, sports and entertainment was one of the categories that um, the – I'm, I'm going to pronounce this name wrong here, but Yasser, who was on the interview with uh, Jay Monahan, was explaining – is a one of the 13 categories that the crown prince has put out that they want to uh, be more involved in to improve in to invest in to be uh, more available and accessible to their audience which consists of 75 percent of people under the age of 35 mm-hmm. who have very clearly expressed that this is where their interests lie and where they're you know obviously where they're spending their own money and uh, the content that they're uh, going after so that so has then been this a fund, huge category. So, yep. So then this fund goes about and says, okay, if that is one of our like in our business plan, right? If the, if that is one of our categories, kind of learn this. I'm actually walking through an investment situation that I've never experienced in my life, right? And this term disruptor comes up a bunch. You're, this is a disruptor. This is a disruptor to the market. This is a disruptor to the market. And you know what? This is a disruptor to the sports world. Major. That, I mean, a major. And if we want to come into this, it was a first disruption by forming this league and paying, you know, billions of dollars to these players collectively. Yeah, because this is different from, you know, and I I say this with respect, the USFL or the XFL, that we're targeting a notch below the NFL. Yeah, they want to be a minor league. They they want to be a training. That's ground. the goal. They, they They're want not to be trying to conduit. challenge the NFL. They're no. trying to coexist in some That's way. That's right. And maybe even down the road in some ways work with that. This NFL. is a completely different concept where they came in and said, We want to take your best. And yes. they tried. I mean, they tried Tiger Woods. They try. I mean, they got Phil. This was they the nineteen eighties like, USFL. This was Donald Trump and crew in the eighties taking Herschel with Walker so and Doug Flutie. So much more money to go Reggie after White. so Correct. many more people Correct. and an endless supply. And 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 even after that. So for them, after all the litigation, to now turn around and say, "Okay, we're going to merge," is one thing. To do it behind the backs of the players on the PGA Tour. 
who turned down hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars individually out of either loyalty or out of morality, only to then double cross them and sign a deal without their knowledge is truly Can, unbelievable, bro. You think that you think that's true? You think they had you think they were totally blindsided? Because I'll tell you something. Now it's after the fact. It's in the rearview mirror, but it's something I've thought about for the last couple months. That every time I go to my ESPN app and I'm looking at scores and such, you know what's on there? Live golf. Like, huh. ESPN is normalized. Like they put live golf scores like they do the peach. I'm like, that just Huh, they're, they're getting more of a foothold. I know they're not on a major market, and but their highlights are shown on ESPN. I don't know. They're man. on the ESPN app. Maybe. Like, are, I, I, I don't think these players knew based on the reaction from them today. I mean, Colin Morikawa is literally out there tweeting, I just found out about this. Yeah. I don't think the players had any idea. I'm reading through the letter that, that uh, Jay Monahan sent to the players. And who is Jay Monahan? He is the commissioner of the PGA Tour. He says, uh, and I'm just kind of picking and choosing here some stuff. Notably, today's announcement brings an end to all the pending litigation. We'll conduct a comprehensive evaluation of Live Golf and determine how best to integrate team golf into the professional game. We will work cooperatively to establish a fair and objective process for any players who desire to reapply for membership of the PGA Tour or DP World Tour following the completion of this season. Uh, in addition to the financial investment for the new entity for the equity stake, uh, the fund will make a financial investment to be a premier corporate sponsor of the PGA Tour. They'll make an additional investment in the new entity that will allow us to build an even stronger and more robust commercial mm. business together. So what they are trying to do, right, is to save face, what he's trying to do is say basically they're just an investment partner. Right. Right. I know that there's companies that people probably, you know, don't love and admire and have done things and, and they're investment partners with us and they're sponsors with us. And they're, and this is in there. And I bet in, it's, he's going to try to compartmentalize mm-hmm. and rationalize is just say, hey, we are still the majority owner. But we if are you are, but voice. if you're any player, if you are John Rom and you turn down, let's say, 700, 600 million dollars. Because you didn't feel comfortable going to that tour, only to find out that your commissioner took that same investment? How can you possibly right. be okay with that? Right. It, 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 it is a normalizing of something that probably, in my view, should not be normalized. And I'll go you one better because I said this earlier. I'll say it again. If I'm, if I'm anyone connected with this fund and I just had this level of success... Justin, you said earlier that it's in their charter to to try to go more and more into sports and entertainment. I'd absolutely be looking at the NBA. Worldwide appeal, right? Absolutely dependent on a small number of stars. What is the second biggest sport in America? Probably happens in soccer too, right? I think there is some element of what's happened in soccer. I don't know enough about it, so I won't even kind of Mm. dig in there. But Mm – you don't uh, look the NFL, Major League Baseball, even hockey to some extent. There's so many players that I think it'd be hard and complexities. But the NBA is fairly simple. If you just offer enough of the best players in the world enough money and enough of them, like the golfers, choose to take hundreds of millions of dollars, you don't think you could disrupt the NBA enough to have the same bargaining power? Right, nothing feels safe. Why when, not? When you put it that way. The ticker on the ESPN other- right here says agreement ends with all the pending litigation, and uh, this decision was made without knowledge of many players. So that doesn't say yeah. all. Yeah, I think maybe the, the highest of the power brokers had some semblance, but the, but the majority were certainly blindsided. I will say this, too. The second most popular sport in America, viewing-wise, is college football. 
College football is in chaos. College football has no leadership. Mm-hmm. College football has a bunch of fiefdoms, but it has generational fans and generates enormous ratings. And, you know, it w- would that be, I think the NBA, because of 450 players total in the 30 team, I, yeah, I get that. And out of 450, there's probably 40 elite stars that if you were to get those. So that might be the easiest. But as far as a sport with a huge reach and total chaos, yeah. college football will probably be on that short list as well. What, a, what an absolutely bizarre. Honestly, this is a gigantic story, whether you're interested in golf or not. Uh, I recommend finding some time to read a little bit about this today. It's not really a golf story. It's not. I mean, it is. If you're into golf, this is shocking. But it's a it's a much bigger story than that. And, and, you know, again, the people who were so out in front on the morality element of it, what do you do next? Jay Monahan was. Jay Monahan was. But, com- but I'm going to come back to Brandel Champley yeah. as the guy. I, I, I got to hear what Brandel has to say about this. First of all, to me, he's a must-listen kind of opinionist anyway. I just think he has a lot of analysis. It's based in facts and rooted in stats, but he also is very opinionated. <laughs> Brock, to yep. say he's been out there on this uh, is yeah. not even a fair way to phrase it. How does he how does he work? How does he cover a league that's now take I like if I'm him, I resign. He's old enough, he could retire, he's made money. If I'm him, I'm saying, all right, I, I won't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. That is crazy. Mm. Wow. All right, that's part of uh, everything you need to know, and we will dig into all of those things, including some interesting thoughts from Ryan Divish and everybody else coming up next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, Seattlesports.com. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, an off day, fortunately, for the Mariners yesterday. They certainly needed it to catch their breath after the whooping that they took while they were in in uh, Texas. Now to San Diego, where they've got to try to hit. What's gone wrong? Well, essentially everything. I find it interesting to hear Ryan Divish say, though, Brock, that the beginning of the year, he would have taken this Mariner roster over Texas's. I think I would have too. And I think you could make an argument today that the roster is still roughly the same. But Texas is overperforming. The Mariners are drastically underperforming. And right now, that's a 10-game difference, which is a huge, huge hole to try to dig out of. Yeah, two years ago, it was an embarrassing sweep in Detroit that they bounced back from. Uh, a season ago, it was an embarrassing trip down here to San Diego. where They were just bludgeoned. And, and you wondered, is this team done? And people starting to call for Scott Service's job and really questioning the direction, and they bounce back. That was the most humbling of, of pieces of humble pie that they've eaten all year. And there's been a bunch of them individually for players, but collectively, the pitching, the hitting, all phases of it, outscored by 21 runs in a series you could not afford to be swept, and they were. So is this the third year now where they hit bottom after being embarrassed and bounce back? Let's sure hope so, and Logan Gilbert will get the call tonight to start it. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, the huge, huge story rocking the sports world this morning, the the Live Golf Tour and the PGA Tour are merging, ending all of the litigation that had been developed over the course of the last year or year or so. Players will find a way now to merge back in with each other. It, it, it is just nuts. Here's Jay Monahan, PGA Tour Commissioner. I think today is a it's a historical day for the PGA Tour and the game of golf, uh, and it's a historical day for the PIF and the DP World Tour. And you're right. You know, there's been a lot of tension in our sport over the last couple of years. But what we're talking about today is coming together to unify the game of golf. 
and to do so under one umbrella. That was on CNBC who broke this story and had the exclusive interview. I got to tell you, as much as I like the idea of all of the golfers being back together, and and I have missed seeing some of the best in the game who haven't been part of the PGA Tour over the last year or so, Brock, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. What do they say about golf? It's a gentleman's game. Right, this this fighting and this division never felt quite right in that game of golf. Other leagues have seen seen battles and you know seen mergers and everything else, but golf, you know, and, and certainly the last 50, 60, 70 years, it's it's Arnie, it's Jack, it's Gary, it's yeah. There's a European tour, but there's just a it's just been a gentleman's game, and this rift never felt right, didn't feel good. I will be curious what the specifics are of this. Mm-hmm. How big of an investment partner are they? I mean, are we talking billions and billions and billions for years and years and years to come? Or is this more of a minority partner and a little bit less money? I I mean, there's still going to be some details here. The guy from the fund is is going to be the chairman, Brock. Well, yeah. I mean, like, it's got to be pretty significant, man. We're still finding out all the information. It'll be easier for us to talk through this tomorrow. And local guy Andre Gonzalez is going to join us at, I think, 730 tomorrow morning. Is that right, Justin? 730 tomorrow to kind of talk through this. But it is is a mammoth, mammoth story with huge, huge tentacles that reach far beyond the golf world. Here's the third thing you need to know. Meanwhile, with all this going on, the Seahawks are starting their mandatory mini camp today. Last year, all eyes on the quarterback battle that Geno Smith was getting all the reps at, and we were a little surprised at that. This year, not a surprise to see him out there taking all the reps at all. Eric Edholm from NFL.com. On with the station last week. Thinks Geno could be even better this year than last year. I, I haven't seen anything that makes me believe that, you know, that the trust is suddenly lost or that Geno's going to get a big head or anything like that. doesn't seem real to me. I think Smith and Jig was a, a terrific safety blanket. My favorite receiver in the draft this year by a, a good measure. I, I had him my number 11 or 12 overall player. I forget exactly where, but I think he's better than people have given him credit for. And he'll be, a, you know, a Cooper Cup-like contributor at some point in his career. I don't know. You know what I mean? But maybe not quite that volume, but that type of player. So you add that to the offense, you theoretically get another year better on the offensive line, those tackles and everything. You know, it's all there for him to be strong, especially with another another guy in the backfield, too, and catch passes and sharpenize. And strong is what Burt Breer wrote about. The Monday, Monday, Monday morning quarterback joined us earlier this morning and talked about the strength and the conditioning that Geno added. Not resting on his laurels, working right even the week after that loss to San Francisco, days after that wild card loss, and continuing to do so, flying around the country, meeting Tyler Lockett, meeting Derek Young, meeting DK, where they were at in their homes to get their work in. And I think uh, of all of the different components of, of Bert's article, the one that did strike me quite a bit is the continuity piece. Mm-hmm. That for the first time in Geno Smith's life, three years, third year, right? how much did Pete talk about Russell gaining a master's degree, right? trying to become a master at this position? Right? Well, Geno got to watch for a lot of years. He sat, sat in a lot of classes. And now he's going to get a graduate degree, a Ph.D., year three in Shane Waldron's system, hand-in-hand with all the continuity that you just heard from Ed Home as well around him. Those are all positive signs moving forward. All right, that is everything you need to know. We do that quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. By the way, the A's, did you see that story? Just speaking of sports business stories, uh, the Nevada Senate basically said, uh, thanks, but no thanks. We're not real interested in taking this up right now. And uh, they may very well not give him the public funding he needs in order to do well, what he well, wants Saudis to do. 
Can that fun buy the ace? I, I've seen the... quite a few people uh, starting to have some of that uh, uh-huh. mixing those mm-hmm. two stories today. <laughs> what Joe yeah. Sheehan saying? Something about Fisher flirting or looking, fl- giving the flirty eyes to the uh, Saudi group instead. What a weird story that is as well. All right. Uh, coming up next, we spoke to Ryan Divish, and he's not the only one kind of took looking at this Mariner team, trying to figure out why and where it has gone so wrong. We'll do that together next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Why are we here, Brock? Because we're here. Roll the bones. Why are we here with the Mariners? How did we get here to such an awful point on just June 6th? The team with certainly a lot of promise, potential, and I believe talent. I don't think I'm alone in believing that they've got a lot of talent. Two people that I trust in the last couple of days have said they have a lot of it. They're just underperforming. We talked to Ryan Divish earlier today and he Brock you asked him about the difference between this Mariner team talent wise and the team that we're watching right now in in Texas just obliterate the, some of the competition and in his view the talent differential is not huge oh, to take him the Mariners roster because I believe in pitching and that's another thing like the Rangers pitching has been better than expected so I was still taking the Mariners because the pitching matters and I figured if if these guys just played to adequate levels offensively, they'd be fine, but they haven't. They've played worse than that. They've played, played so much worse. And that's obviously created the gigantic differential. Jason Churchill, prospect insider, who we've talked to many times in the past, and I respect him as a baseball voice, knows what he's talking about, asked yesterday from uh, Bumpin' Stacy what he thinks about the gap between these two rosters. I think the gap in the rosters is minimal at best. What, what's happening right now is Texas has things going in all directions. Things are just rolling. Things are working. Kind of like Seattle in the middle of last year when they turned it on in June, they were just a pretty consistent, solid team pretty much night in and night out. It looked a little different. Seattle got it done more with pitching. Texas scores a bunch of runs. And then you get Seattle coming into Texas with nothing really clicking. And then in games two and games three of the series, they don't even get their foundational production, which is the starting rotation does its job. At games two and game three, that didn't happen. That's going to spin things out of control if you're the Mariners at this point. So where does that leave you, Brock? Yeah, I mean, the only thing I would say there, take a little umbrage, and I love Church as well, they were 7-3 and three homestand. I know they got beaten bludgeoned by the Yankees in a couple of them, but then they win a one-run game. And so that was, they were coming off. It's not like the, remember when they went to Toronto? Oof, oof. Right. And, and they just got bludgeoned there because that whole road trip was pretty disastrous. I mean, this was a 7-3 and three homestand, mm-hmm. exactly what you wanted. But they weren't really hitting even throughout that homestand. I mean, they were, they were it was it had been better than what it was, but they weren't really hitting. No, and, and, and what you're seeing is a Texas team hitting on all cylinders mm-hmm. eight and nine in the lineup are hitting over 300 and you go back and you look at jonah heim and their guys' careers they're all having career, career years, years. Yep. and your guys are having career failure years i mean cold long has never been this bad um you know we mentioned obviously aj pollock and what he's doing and he's right here for one job to hit lefties he's never been this bad Never. I mean, not, not I, even close in his career. Brock, you look Oscar at Oscar Hernandez team. has struck out four to one in his career a lot. He hasn't struck out ten to one, right? Which is where he still is sitting today. Jared Kelnick has overperformed expectations. J.P. Crawford has performed to expectations, and Jose Caballero has exceeded the zero expectation for him. 
Correct. Other than those Scott three Wally's players. Scott close to expectation. Other than those three players. Yep. Everyone to various degrees, some small like Cal Raleigh, some large like Teo and Wong. Colton Wong and, and, and Gino. But literally, other than those three guys, everyone else on this roster offensively has underperformed. Okay, so so yesterday was an off day. We know they have conversations during off days. It gives you a time. It's kind of like a bye week in football. Mm-hmm. It gives you time to self-scout and evaluate and take a little breath and everything else. So when you have that and you hear Jason Churchill and Ryan Divish say heading into this season, those World Series expectations, you know, were not laughable. And in fact, your roster was better than Texas's roster. If you're in management mm-hmm. and you're Jerry and and you're John Stanton and and you know you 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 put this team together. You're Justin Hollander, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you're watching this, and you're 10 games right. behind Texas. Well, it's where you start digging into a conversation about process and results. And to me, I, I don't have a problem with their plan. I don't have a problem with their philosophy. I really don't. I, I, I you know, Divish, we asked about it. He said 60 40. I would probably be closer to 80 20. I, I think it's fair to say that they needed the DH thing was a bad plan. That was a bad plan. I, I, I don't know how else you look at it right now other than to say that was a bad plan. They're a bat short, and the plan they made at DH has not worked. And, and it was a bad plan. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the rest of it was bad planning, but I think I would say it was absolutely bad execution. I don't think it was a bad plan to go out there and try to get a right fielder, a second baseman, and a platoon left fielder. But the guys that they chose have been terrible. I don't think it was a bad plan to spend $32 million on those three guys. But if you had taken the same $32 million and instead of spending it on Teo, Wong, and Pollock, and instead spent them on J.D. Martinez... Uh, Cody Bellinger. Bellinger and just brought back Adam Frazier, you could have saved yourself a couple million dollars and had significantly better production based on what those guys have done this year. That's execution. That's scouting. That's evaluation. That's acquisition. Now, I don't know whether any of those guys were interested in coming here. Uh, right. It takes two to tango. Obviously, that's a, a much different conversation. But they went out and chose the wrong groceries. At least as of right now on June 6th. Okay. Okay. So that that's one angle. That's the, how, how did you label that? What were the two? To me, that the plan is. versus that the is, execution. Yeah, plan execution. And then there's the results, which obviously have just been horrific. But Okay. So now let's simplify it even a little further. Okay. So that's all the plan. That's all the execution. That's the, the personnel. But now you have this personnel. Mm-hmm. You have a personnel where Ryan Divish says going into the season, I'm taking this personnel over that personnel. And yet you, as I said, are 10 games behind them in the standings, which feels... I'm not going to say insurmountable with 100 games to go, but as, as Ryan said, the math is different this season. You don't get Texas that many more times. Right. Yeah, you what know? Do you and do you now? aren't going to have the American League East cannibalize one another. So you're, you're left where you are. So then the question is, is this talent or is this coaching and development? I mean, is, is this talent through 60 games? Is, is Teo talented enough? Is A.J. Pollock talented enough? Colton Wong talented enough? You know, is there enough talent here? Uh, is, is Suarez talented enough? Or is this a, a coaching and development issue through 60 games? And, you know, like, I mean, Ryan says it's all about talent. We hear that a lot. You know, put together baseball seasons over 162 games, and you know what stands out at the very end? Yeah, talent. Usually the most talented, the deepest pool and of yet, talent and usually yet, wins. Bob, we're watching some of the most talented teams in the game struggle just Yeah, the much. team you're going to play tonight. I mean, they're more talented than you are. 
right? That's a, that's the that's the model everybody wanted this offseason. They're terrible. So I, is it either of those things? Is it is it just the roll of the dice? Like I, I honestly don't know. I'm not going to sit here and 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 blame the 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 luck. It's not luck. Mm-mm. Like you got to do better. But to me, it's a scouting and execution issue. Like you've got to you got to bring in the right guys. They've done it on the on the pitching side of things. They've failed to do it on the offensive side of things more often than they've succeeded. And, you know, obviously some of that comes back to the ballpark. Some of it comes back to their reputation, the geography, the weather. All those things are are legitimate factors, Mm -hmm. but tough noogies like that. Mm -hmm. That's the gig. You've got to you got to come up with a plan to defeat those challenges, just like every other team does. And yeah. I would land in my life experience when it comes to coaching, and this is managing, right? I mean, they got hitting coaches and fielding coaches, and they got coaches, but it's managing. In my life experience, I would lean into what Ryan Divish said. I would I would co-sign on what he said, that a manager's job is to be just uber consistent, mm-hmm. right? It, it is to be steadfast in your belief. It is not to bury your players. It is not to be something you're not. He's not Lou Pinella. Right. If Lou Pinnell is not getting thrown out of games and he's sucking his thumb in the dugout, then, you know, you'd question that. But he was volatile. That was who he was. That That's the way he motivated. Scott does it through treating these guys with tremendous respect. He, he does it through publicly having their back. He does it through being, as, as Ryan said, the most consistent human being that he has ever covered. And, and he's steadfast in that. So I, I don't I, I don't see this as a managerial leadership challenge or problem. I see this as an individual independent contractors that can't get their job done and then collectively confidence wise are breaking. It's a free throw shooting team that, you know, shooting free throws and you start to have your talented guys miss and everybody starts to miss. Like, why are we missing free? We shouldn't be missing free throws. We're a good free throw shooting team, but somehow collectively confidence wise, Mm -hmm. you know, it is this control the zone, you know, motto that, that Ryan talked about as well. And this mantra that's been discussed a lot. What what is that? What is? I think you got to cut on there, Ryan. You know, I asked Shannon about it yesterday. Asked Divish about it. Is this a schematic control the zone issue? Here's Divish. The, the Mariners pre- preach control the zone, and everybody thinks, oh, it's this or it's that. I think it's just to me, it's like get a good pitch to hit and hit it hard. That's the the mentality of it all. Is the control the zone aspect? Is they're telling you the Mariners are telling you what pitches you hit really hard. And what counts you can do the most damage in. So do it. It's not like they're telling them to go up there and walk and anything like that. But what happens is, is it doesn't matter what the philosophy is you preach or how much you hammer it in or how much people, players believe in it. The moment they step in the box, all you're up there doing is trying to compete. Yep. yep. And you know what? That sounds a lot like Mike Blowers over the years as we've listened to him, right? And if you want to hear... <laughs> Kind of to uh, to Divish's point once again on service, the, the most critical service we'll get is the other night with John Gray. You know, and he's like, yeah, we saw him two and a half weeks ago, and, well, he did the same thing to us two and a half weeks later. Like, we did not make adjustments. Mm-hmm. That's about as personal and, and, and as big of a shot as he's going to give on his players. What you hear from Blowers up in the booth, you know, his criticism, and, and you got to sort through it because it's not very much because he knows how hard this game is and he made a living doing it, is when they miss a cookie. When he's like, ooh. Yeah, that was a fastball in the mm-hmm. middle, middle. Like that that's one gotta you hit know, those. You gotta hit those. You gotta hit those. Yep. And they're not. In Texas, it's hitting every stinking single one of them, it feels like. One through nine in their lineup. 
is all doing it in ways that they've never done it before. So what? So so come back to the same question I asked Divish. If you have to think about this as plan versus execution, what's your percentage? I'd I'd probably in thinking and adding in the DH part of it, I'll go eighty twenty. What do you think? Yeah, I'm probably I'm probably a little more with Devish. Yeah, I, I I think that there's ways, and and that's not just free agent spending, right? It's not just it, it's very easy just to look at those dollars of it, right? The the draft, develop, trade, but then you got to put the S, the spend, which mm-hmm. Texas has done some eight hundred million dollars over the last couple of years uh, through pitching and positional players and everything else. Um, it's and that's the easiest one for fans to, to chew on, and I, and I get it, you know, because those numbers are there and they're apparent. What we don't see are the trades that did or did not happen, right? What the, the, and and that is to me where if you were going to get something done, that you had to do, that you had to do. And unfortunately, you know, Jerry told us at the meetings, man, no one's talking. <laughs> it's quiet. Like, so, so so what is it about the plan that you think was wrong? Well, it's Gorilla Glass. Like, you've got to find a way then to make a partner. You, you've got to find a way to do what you do best. So you, and, so and, you think they should have given up, just so, I just, and I'm maybe, not arguing, yeah. you yep. should have given up even more prospects in order to make, you should have overpaid prospect-wise. Yeah, yep, yep. If, if that's going to be the route you're going to go, right, and you're not going to spend $800 million over two years, and that's just not your philosophy, and you don't have the pockets to do it, you're not going that route, then you've got to do something that you and I don't see. You've got to do something in a creative way. Maybe mm-hmm. it's the second baseman for Minnesota that's hit nearly 400 in Miami. Yeah, but is right? that a, that's not plan. That's execution. You should have gotten that guy instead. Or you should have had a plan to to make that trade happen. Like, you've, but like you've they could have made that trade happen. They just didn't execute on doing that. They decided to make a different thing happen. Mm. They decided to trade for Colton Wong so what would be instead plan? of for Luis Arias. So as you pick these two silos, plan or execution, define plan for me a little bit more. If you I mean, say it's execution eighty percent, what? How would you? How would it plan? I, I mean, I think some of it is is just in terms of of uh, what you went out to to set out to do this off season, right? What did you want to go out and and sign the biggest names available and right? meet with those free agents? Okay, they didn't even meet with the free agents, right? Oh. <laughs> they knew, <laughs> they knew that, and he told us as much. Like we didn't even field those calls. Because we knew where the market was going, so that's what you're saying. Right, you should have filled the calls. You should have been invested. You should have been involved. You should. Have I mean, gone I think after. that that to me is plan more than it is execution. Execution is once you decided not to do that, and you decided what you wanted to get was a second baseman, a right fielder, and uh, and another outfielder. Mm. What did you do with that? Now I'm granting you they should have gone one more, right? Either Tommy Listella or or Cooper Hummel should not have been on this roster to start the year, right? One of them wasn't supposed to be anyway because it's supposed to be Dylan Moore, but the other one shouldn't have been either. You should have had another player. Should yes. have had another DH. Yeah. I, I'm granting that. I don't have okay. any like, and that's the twenty percent to me that is plan. You went into it with a bad plan. Well, I'll at give DH. you okay, and I'll give you one more. The rest could, of it though could have absolutely been solved by just making better decisions on the players you got. The other one that would fit into that plan that we're going to see maybe over the next month, depending on Marco's forearm and the results of that and whether yeah. he can come back or you're going to see Wu and Miller in this youth in it is part of the plan should have been go get Kodai Senga. You know, part of the plan should have been you could have spent $65 million yep. and went out and got, right, that would have fit in the plan. In the next month is going to be pretty telling for that too because it looks like, depending on Marco, again, you're going to be leaning into a lot of youth, mm-hmm. right? In, in a year where you wanted to protect your youth anyway, you wanted to protect Logan and George. 
and that maybe bolstering it yeah, with yet and, another and arm. I think there's some of that too. On the other hand, if Chris Flexen was just serviceable, wow. is that even necessary? Chris Flexen's been unserviceable, Brock. Like literally unusable as a as a pitcher. That's unexpected. I mean, again, like that to me is execution. That's scouting and that's knowing your own players. That's not necessarily a plan issue. That's yep. the fact that you decided to roll with a guy and the execution on it has been unbelievably bad. Again, like that's a, this is hurting my head. It should. I mean, it, it, the whole thing is sad. There's no doubt about it. It's a bummer that we're having this conversation and even trying to have to figure out why they're at the position they're at. But again, like they could have made the same better decisions rather for the same money and with the same plan that would have yielded significantly better results. And there is no earthly reason why if with the same payroll they have right now, they couldn't be in a better maybe, spot than the Or Raiders. maybe Cody Bellinger and J.D. Martinez come to Seattle and, 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 and stink too. And, yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, I don't know what to do with I that mean, information, right? Right. I mean, like. That's baseball, man. That is baseball. That is this maddening, psychotic, it's your job crazy to get it right, sport. unfortunately. I mean, like, it is, it is the GM and president's job to get that right. It's, yeah. if, if, you know, enough guys struggle, then you were doing something wrong in your process. I don't know exactly what that was. All right, let's do some ranking. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwumfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. I got a question for Brock here. Actually, I'm going to let you go ahead and open ranked, and then I'm going to have a question. All right. So I don't want to get anything away here. Well, today uh, we were talking about Russell Wilson and even to a lesser extent about this PGA Live thing, and I, I stated that I don't really ever feel sad. It's not an emotion I'm very familiar with. I'm just not. Generally, when I get sad, I then get angry, and then I'm not sad anymore. I'm angry. I feel sad during this segment every day. <laughs> no, you don't. You feel angry. <laughs> That's not true. Uh, Brock, really quickly then. Embittered. The most sad, I guess, heartbroken, sad, whatever you want to put it, sports moment in your life. Besides, easy for mine. (laughs) We were watching Super Bowl, and there were two rooms. And for some reason, the other feed where the kids were watching it was a second ahead. And to hear them all cry and scream in agony, like... Oh, no. What just happened? So you were sad? Oh, there's no question. So when Russell Wilson oh. threw that pick, you were sad? The idea of being sad didn't even dawn on me. I was furious. When Bob Stelton called me moments later and we had to walk through it all and I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> I did start crying. Real I was moment. obviously very mad and very upset. Were you sad? That night, oh, that night I was sad. Darn right. I was furious. So sad. <laughs> Watching the Bengals lose the Super Bowl in person was one of the saddest feelings I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> like, watching people lose their minds around me and I'm just standing there. Like, my, that's, oh, my God, I'm sad. I've never, I've, honestly, I can tell you I've never felt that way. I mean, some of the worst moments of my sports life, I mean, the 80, ball through Buckner's legs, Pedro leaving in, you know, or uh, Great Little leaving in Pedro, Russell Wilson throwing that pick. None of them anger. made me sad. Pure rage. Absolute Pure rage. rage. Ryan Divish, anger. Yes. Yep. Okay. So anyway, with All that right. in mind, <laughs> sad rank. Sad. Rank. sad. <laughs>
<laughs> there's not much here because I don't know much. Apparently, I'm not the only one who doesn't often feel sad because there's not much to rank in terms of sad. Maybe this is. Huh? There's still some. There's a few. You got Beaches. Uh, the movie Beaches was sad. That sure. Made me cry as a kid. I mean, Our Lady Peace has Are You Sad? Are you sad? Are you holy? Are you sad? I really like Our Lady Peace. I don't I really know how you like that. Don't man. like that song. I don't know how you like that. Band. Maroon 5 has a sad. I'm so sad. <laughs> Just terrible. AJR has way less sad. AJR a lot. All these sad songs are no good. Incubus is terrible. They're not terrible? Yeah, they are. You're wrong. That's super sad. Super sad sad country song, Justin. Aren't they all super sad? Don't take the girl. Oh. 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 Don't take the girl. I forget the names now. Taking me fishing. I was (laughs) sad. There's a movie Sad Hill, Clint Eastwood. I don't even know Sad that. Sad Hill movie. on Earth. Yeah, it was a Netflix movie. I don't even know that. So not only do you not know this emotion, I don't, don't even know even anything know about any it. Of the movies, the lyrics, nope. the song. None of it. Brock, I did not think to be oh. you're gonna be bring up a Tim McGraw song right now. That has sent me. Mm-hmm. All right, number five uh, is Blazing Saddles. We're not gonna play any audio from it, but uh, <laughs> number five, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Oh, oh, sad. That's so how sad. hard this is to do, Brock. Number oh, number five is Blazing Saddles. Wow. Number four is uh, Sadness from Inside Out, the uh, animated movie. I'm sorry, mm. Joy. I don't really know. I thought maybe if you... If you... If I... <laughs> She's very that sad. That movie didn't help you feel the emotion and understand the emotion? That's the whole point. I think it's I've, I've cried during Inside Out. Don't get me wrong. That moment at the end with the but you're just, she decides to come back to just, her parents. But yeah. it's you're more that anger. like parental rejuven. Like it's a parental it's feeling, a parent but I don't feeling? feel sad. Huh. Okay. I, just, I don't even know what it is, really. I'm sorry. <laughs> Number three, sad A. Sad A. Coast to coast, I LA to Chicago. Who is that? Saturday? Saturday. That's good road oh. trip music. I too. think it's Saturday. Let's be clear. Got <laughs> a reach today. This is a reach. Number two, Elton John. Familiar, right? Yep. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't put this one on here. Maura mentioned this one. I don't know the song, but Summertime Sadness. Thank you, Maura, for contributing. Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. I do know that song. My bad. 206 is Casey Sadler. Yeah, and former infielder Donnie Sadler. Mm. <laughs> there is you. a system of a down song called Sad Statue that I didn't put in here. No? How come? No. Nobody wants to hear sister like down in this room besides me. The fact that you think this is a small list is... There's like very, barely anything good on this. It's all terrible. Number one's Metallica. <laughs> Your pain while you remain. You know it's the water moon, Brock. Oh, this is on the playlist. Is it? Metallica? Oh, yeah. song? Wow. Yeah, this one is. Yeah, this is pretty good. I did put Sad Sack on the list. We got a text about that. The Jerry Lewis movie from the 50s. Uh, that song, by the way, Sad But True, I went to see Metallica in concert in yep. Portland. And before he started, before James Hetfield started the guitar riff, he goes, you know, back in the 80s, 
we released this or when we were trying 90s. to uh, promote 90s promoted to uh, rock radio we were told they couldn't play it because it was too bleep heavy it just starts the guitar riff and I was like yes it's like the toughest intro I've ever heard from any any metal song sad but true da, 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 da. that's the best my life. Sad but Sad true. true. The live and PGA are combined. Yeah. Sad but true. You really know what it's like to be sad? I'm not convinced. Jeez, Brock. You saying you're sad? When the, when the Seahawks Bro, lost, you were sad? That you weren't I cry, mad? I cry all the time. Oh my gosh. I cry almost every day. I sad, I sad, I cry too, but not out of sadness. When we drop Macy off in Missoula in two weeks? Oh, boy. Oh, two man, I can't house? wait for that. That's going to be <laughs> joy. Monster. Joy. Oh, the kids are gone. See ya. <laughs> All right. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. We do have uh, Andre Gonzalez going to join us, talk some golf. We'll have some other stuff as well. We'll see you at 6 a.m. Until then, the hay. Oh, sadly, it's in the barn. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!